Jeremy Ellis, and welcome to Penny Tolerable, a show where two large adult siblings talk about movies, TV, comics, and whatever else. We've spent a lifetime together, so you can spend some time with us. And uh, I am excited because this is the first show of our fourth season. Really? My, arbit my arbitrary season listing. Okay, why don't you break down... Uh how the seasons work on this, so I should know how much I'm not getting paid. <laughs> well, every is, year is a season. Oh, every year is a season. Did you start, wait, did you start the first season on, like, January of a year? Yeah. Really? I think, how, yeah. How long have uh, we slash you been doing this? Uh, three years now. Really? Because I remember in 2020, we were still talking about X-Men for way too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was a really good idea when we did 12 episodes on <laughs> yeah. something we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. Um, so that was the first year of the show? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and since then, it's just been a, you know, movie reviews mostly. <laughs> um, well, it is good to be back for another season. So is this going out uh, very end of 2022 or very beginning of 2023? The latter. Oh, see, I don't know how things work. All right, well, Happy New Year, everybody. Joyeux Noel Felice Año. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. What's that? Uh, oh, it just means, are you going to finish that? Oh! So we are, well, we're here for uh, season four. Mm -hmm. Much like The Wire, I anticipate this being the best season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what are we, what are we doing today? We are talking about something great that just wrapped up. Uh, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Love Christmas. That, well, it has to do with Christmas a little. Um, the, I guess you would call it 13th season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. The first one on the Gizmoplex. Yes, and uh, I think it is season 13. There, yeah. It's not one of those weird things where it, it's like non-numbered or like, D&D 5th &D edition, but don't call it that, because that's just confusing. Yeah. They, they're just straight up, it's season 13. Yeah. 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 And I, Joel has been weirdly big on, like, continuity between, like, this is what episode number this is, counting the KTMA ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, if he, you know, if he's down, who am I to question it? Uh, so, yeah, we we did the, I think, one of our first, if not our very first episodes, was talking about Mystery Science Theater in general, which is maybe too general a topic, actually. Yeah. And then we came back to it to uh, discuss the uh, Netflix years uh, after they had wrapped, but I, I I felt that those were pretty good. I think uh, there is a camp that is not a fan of the Netflix mm -hmm. ones, or like, the guys from Red Letter Media should be hosting the show, or, or me, too. I could yeah. do it, too, if you, you want me to. Um, Please want me to. <laughs> but... No, uh, I think the Netflix seasons, in particular, the uh, the very first one, the longer one, was it The Return? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought those turned out really well, and this is, uh, you know, after a bit of time on the exercise bike, uh, we're back with this one. Mm -hmm. um, I have plenty to say about it. Uh, I don't know if we... We're not going to do, like, episode by episode. We'll nah. probably just pick out some favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to dive into it however you like. There's something that uh, we've touched on before, and we're going to touch on it again. 
MST is unbreakable. Little you, bit. You can kind of do whatever if you keep it MST. Mm-hmm. It it works. It just works. Like literally every time there has been a change. Like oh, I don't know if Mike's gonna be funny. He's awesome. Mike, my, my, I'm sorry. Mike is funnier than Joel. Yeah. I love Joel. I like Mike even better. Yeah. <laughs> how? By the way, how long did it take people to get on board with that? Because I know that yeah, there's probably still like Joel diehards out there. I recall by the time they he did hit like, the ground running. Yeah, because I mean, in fairness, you know, he was the uh, head writer and yeah. also the MVP guest star. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, you know, I was like very young when I saw some of those. It was only watching them more or less sequentially as an adult where I was like, oh, like, Mike is in almost every episode. Yeah. But just as, like, Hercules or Glenn Manning. Yeah. And then he always steals every single scene that he's <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he certainly was not, uh, you know, just, like, pulled out of the crowd mm. uh, the way the character was. But even then I was like, oh, like, we fear change. I would swear that by the time they did the, uh, it's just called Santa Claus, but you know, Santa Claus versus Satan, yeah. the Mexican Lupita mm-hmm. Santa Claus. Yeah. By that point, I was probably already on board. Like, oh, the show's great. This is fun. Yeah. I could keep watching this with no qualm. That's like his sixth episode or something, mm-hmm. right? That, that's like not even his first full season when they got to that. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But it really is like, I've I learned a long time ago with this show, never fear change because it'll always work out. It always has. Yep. And it always will. Like I was pretty stoked to see what Emily Marsh could do, and she's awesome. Yeah. And, and I I love Kelsey Ann Brady as Crow. Like, well, th- that's just such a neat little take on the voice, the Millhousey voice. Do, do we, since we're already there, do we want to dive into that? Because that's, yeah, we could talk about some of the changes this season from the previous ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, halfway there, so let's start with that, the cast. Uh, they're, just, they're just awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't know, uh, it, I, don't, I don't think I really had any reservations. I don't think after 30 years off and on that I was like, okay. I'll allow this one, but yeah. watch yourself, counselor. Yeah. I, I was pretty much ready for it, but I do recall in the uh, the kind of dead zone between Netflix and the Gizmoplex, mm-hmm. they did a couple things. They did live shows, but I yeah. think that was most, mostly Jonah and even Joel in mm-hmm. this farewell tour. And I didn't see that much of Emily. And though I think the one thing I ever saw was the frankly abortive attempt they had to do mm. uh, it was during the the lockdown yeah and it was the episode where they were going to have the new crew riff on one of the old ones yeah so it was emily and a couple of the i don't even think all of this the new current cast uh were riffing on moon zero two from season one and like it, it did not work yeah, like that Hall of Mirrors approach is a bad idea, anyways. And also, you had three audio tracks, so you couldn't hear the movie, so none of it worked. Which is, you know, you say that, but when I watched the uh, Bring MST back 
uh, specials, uh-huh. like the repackaging things, um, and the inlet, the mindless summer beach party, where it's the new cast watching the old cast riff. They said it. They do it correctly. Like okay, well, I know that they did a bunch more after that, so I, I'm not complaining about it. it. It was like I think literally a prototype. Yeah. It's like very I'm, fun and charming to watch yeah. those ones. So that's that. The one I'm talking about was like a live show that basically didn't work. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but you know, they do that so that it will work by the time they do say season thirteen. Mm-hmm. But that was my only exposure to Emily up to that point, and my initial reaction was like, "Oh, this this is fine," but it's mm-hmm. like I haven't actually seen you strut your stuff. And then almost immediately in the new season, she does, and the new cast does, and I'm like, "This is fine. I could watch this forever." Like, yeah, I have no complaints about this. Her first episode was Beyond Atlantis, which. Yeah, the the Filipino movies, the Jack Hill, Sid Haig Filipino movies, are some of my favorite that they riff on anywhere, <laughs> and they sink their teeth into Sid Haig's character <laughs> East Eddie's. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like him lovingly looking at the pearl and. Emily wearing the Sid Haig helmet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we're talking about the show more than the experiments, but just a shout out for Sid Haig. Like, I know I'm preaching to the choir yeah. you, but a lot of people have that reputation that I, Bruce Campbell or Christopher Lee or somebody mm-hmm. where it's like, the movies are going to suck, but he's going to be fun. Yeah. Man, I have not even seen that many Sid Haig movies, but just like this, like Wonder Woman on Rift Tracks and Beyond Atlantis here, mm-hmm. and that like fucking uh, uh, Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Sid Haig is the thing that like you airdrop him into your movie to make <laughs> it suck thirty percent less. <laughs> just it's like, hey, we need like, like a smooth talking cat who looks like Shel Silverstein. <laughs> And he's going to play the bad guy or, like, maybe the good guy who's also a piece of shit. <laughs> like, he's he never plays non-scumbags. Right? No. Not really. uh, so, yeah. And that, that was uh, probably my my favorite episode. Not, not, not out of the whole season, but whenever they start something new, you, it's like going back to school or whatever. You mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for it. So the first two episodes of the season, uh, Santo... And robot wars are fine. Yeah, they did. They didn't make me go like, "Oh, I think Mystery Science Theater has jumped the shark." Mm-hmm. I, none of that reaction, but I, I was just like, this, "This is fine. Like nothing's like really blowing my mind here." I feel like Emily and the the new Tom and Crow doing Beyond Atlantis. Mm-hmm. That was my moment of like, "Okay, yeah, this is." Now, now we're cooking with evil gas. Yeah. Um, and of course, after Beyond Atlantis, you have Munchie, which is <laughs> really a trial by fire. Yeah. Dude, I, I said, like, I don't know if we need to go episode by episode, but at this point we might as well. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I, I'm sure there are other people who are like, the season started strong and went downhill from there for me. Like, everybody's taste is different. They kind of hit a hot streak because you have Beyond Atlantis. Yeah. Then it's back to Jonah for 
munchie, which is just good god. <laughs> if you don't know what munchie is, look it up. But yeah, it's just this fucking hobgoblin gremlin thing with uh, Dom DeLuise. Just the, not the man of a thousand voices, Dom DeLuise. <laughs> so this this fucking greaser hobgoblin thing just kind of talks like Jeremy the Crow and has apparently been with us always as has Cthulhu and the Elder Gods. <laughs> and it's... I love the movies that, uh, like, break the crow. Yeah. Because you, you can't do that every yeah. single time. Like, I, I think there's, like, uh, maybe worse comedians, maybe... Yeah, it, it's more of, like, a nostalgic critic thing of, like... This movie raped my eyes. Yeah. And, like, I'd rather go to hell than watch this movie. And, like, you don't have anywhere to go from that. Yeah. You started at, like, a 10 when you were talking about, like, Underworld. Or, you know, something that sucks but isn't, like, horrible. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do when you get to Food Fight and <laughs> X versus Sever and everything? But, no, like, like, way back when with, like, Manos, The Hands of Fate, when both Frank and Forrester called to apologize. Yeah. I, there's there's a great moment during, like, Munchie appears, they have a panic attack and flee the theater. And then you have Kenga telling them, like, okay, Jonah, get back in the theater. No. I won't. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, so, and, like I say, you, you have to, like, pick and choose the ones that really suck. Munchie's pretty. Like, yeah. th- th- it's not a hard watch the way that like Monster or Go Go is, but holy shit, <laughs> are you gonna hate Munchie by the end of Munchie? And then uh, immediately after that, they did another. One thing I love about Munchie is just the weird touches. Aside from Munchie himself, the weird touches like you have Angus Scrim in a. Uh, fantasy sequence that takes place in a morgue but he's not playing Reggie from Phantasm <laughs> like how'd you mess that up and the fact that the dad to be uh, the guy who might become uh, Gage's dad he wears it's a specific type of windbreaker that makes you look like Gambit yeah it's just the coloring makes you look like Gambit. oh yes <laughs> oh god and uh, after so after Munchie, we have uh, Dr. Morton. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a part in it that you really liked. <laughs> there's more than one. What, which one are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I I apologize if this episode ends up just us doing the bits from the show. But possibly my favorite thing about Mystery Science Theater is when they won't let something go. Yeah. So... Possibly my favorite uh, host segment they ever did is Track of the Moon Beast. With like the Haru, Haru, sorry to rush the Halloween season. (laughs) And then they just, you have like the feels like eight minute long interlude of Crow just having a one sided panic attack about rushing the Halloween season. Anybody who remembers, you know. Turkeys from writing with them, yeah. Where they refer, they use the word I think twice in the movie, yeah, just twice, and then possibly triple digits in terms of the riff. Mm. Ooh, turkey juice, turkeys everywhere. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call the butterball hotline. Like, 
when they have something, they won't let go of. So in Dr. Mordred, which is a Dr. Strange uh, knockoff, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But <sighs> Dr. Strange, Dr. Mordred is like uh, presenting mm-hmm. on like cryptozoology or whatever, and uh, uh, parapsychology, and he says, uh, well, uh, the full moon was associated with madness. It was said that uh, only the crazy went out on a full moon. I know there's one tonight, and I'm looking at a full auditorium. There's like polite golf clap laughs from the audience. Mm-hmm. So of course the host segment is them doing like the like. Oh, they think I'm funny. Okay, Mordred, give them what they want. They drop a brick wall set behind him. Yeah, and he does incredibly shitty stand up yeah. about the moon. This is that that is something in the show's <coughs> DNA that I don't think has it was like there from season one yeah. and they're still doing it. Where it's like, how dare you try to be funny? <laughs> like they will forgive bad special effects and longhead heroes if you even attempt to be amusing in the movie, they will destroy you. Yeah, it's like a little off topic, there was a recent riff track called Hack-A-Lantern. Yeah. And for some reason, the director just put his friend in there who was like a stand-up, like a shitty stand-up, and he does a routine outside the a building and people laugh, and when the people laugh, Mike goes, no, 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 like, <laughs> like don't encourage this man. I disagree. Um, yeah, the, because I mean, one of the great running things about MST is that they always hate the hero. Yeah. Like the, you know, the Link heartthrob hero. Mm-hmm. Link hogthrob. Yeah. Yeah. They always hate the Zap Brannigans of these movies. They really hate the funny guys. Yeah. Uh, the dropos of the world. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Dr. Mordred is very watchable. It was Now, what was it? It was Full Moon Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Got the rights to do Doctor Strange and then lost them? Yeah. In- incredible. So they were like, fuck you, we'll finish the movie anyways. He's Dr. Mordred now. Yeah. They proceed to make a... With only a slightly different costume. Yeah, yeah. And you know how the the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie is laughably bad... It's not really that much worse than the Josh Trank or the yeah. Chris Evans Fantastic Four. I actually movie. like it. I actually think it's the best Fantastic Four movie. Okay. Like, probably the hardest watch, but also the least annoying. Yeah. There's a little bit of that with Dr. Mordred, where it absolutely is like... It yearns to be as good as the Generation X TV movie. <laughs> or the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm watching it and I'm going like, this isn't worse than Multiverse of Madness. Like, this sucks, but at least Wanda's not going to show up in it. uh, He fights some dinosaur skeletons, which I think happens twice this season. Yeah. Like a weirdly specific thing that comes back in multiple movies. And the joke is, he's played by Jeffrey Combs, and when the... Dinosaurs come alive, like finally reanimate something. <laughs> there, by the way, there's that too. I'd say Jeffrey Combs is as good an actor as Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. No slight against either one of them. Uh, so yeah, you had like kind of three rip roar roars at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I think they really kind of hit their stride. Uh, Joel comes back for Demon Squad, which that's an odd one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want? Do you have anything to say about it? Or? Demon Squad, it's funny. Like, I like the episode just because it's so... It's got such a homemade quality to it. Like, those tend to be my favorite... Uh, kind of my favorite uh, riff tracks, like... Suburban Sasquatch and Lycan Colony. Oh, uh, yeah, the the truly, like, not micro-budget, zero-budget. Yeah. Like, Fungicide had, a, it was like a $500. Yeah. Yeah. The true, truly, like, a home movie, like a sweeted film trailer yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it's very cheap. It is essentially in the vein of, like, your Hellboys and your R.I.P.D.'s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the most recent movie they've ever done. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it's from like 2019. So it, it overtook Beyond Atlantis. For me, it suffers from a kind of similar thing of like, there's something about newer movies, uh, not all newer movies, because mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's tons of weird new bad stuff, but the kind of half-assed Sharknado straight to DVD, like Amityville in space, they're mm-hmm. almost too flat. Yeah. There's there's something that more appealing to me about making fun of, like, a piece of crap from the 70s. Whereas if you make fun of something of equal production values, but it's from 2020, I feel like I'm riffing on a YouTube video. Yeah. And then I have that feeling of, like, well, what's, what's the point of that? Right? So. It, it, you know, you have movies like... Psycho Ape or Reagitator, Revenge of the Parody, where there's almost, it's not coherent enough to really make a riff of. Like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take itself seriously, but it's not a comedy, like these weird kind of nether films. And that's, yeah, without getting, I, I feel like maybe I already have, but without getting uh, too navel-gazing about this, um... I am of the camp that thinks it's funnier when the thing is genuine. Yeah. So, like, whatever Tommy Wiseau insists to the contrary, I do think he meant the room. Yeah. Like, with all of his heart, which is why it's so insane and nobody mm-hmm. else can make it. Because you've seen his other... When he tries to be funny... Yeah. It's not actually that funny. Like, Neighbors or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> but watching him, uh, like, being himself, I get it. Uh, it, it's the same thing. I would rather watch, like, something... My favorites are the 70s crap. We've established yeah. that. But it's a million times funnier to have, like, the Phantom Planet. Like, I think as we move forward into the world, it's the best and brightest and most beautiful that will carry us into a glorious future. Yeah. God, I want to hit him so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, like, Demon Squad's not terribly guilty of this, but pretty much all media these days is so wry. Mm-hmm. It is so from that Marvel stand. And I don't even, like, blame the Marvel movies for yeah. this. Like, it, they, they came from that rather than causing it. It's just the mood now. Everything is so, like, every screenwriter is Abed from Community. Yeah. Everything is going to anticipate, like, the silliness. So... Demon Squad's not, it's not like a parody of itself the way that, like, Velocipaster or something mm-hmm. probably is. But it's still, like, a little bit silly and a little bit quirky and, like, here we go again and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's like, 
I actually find you funnier the more seriously you take yourself. <laughs> Although there is a thing of those movies where if they hate, if they genuinely hate them enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, they hated Sharknado 2 on Riff Tracks, and I like that episode of the live show because they just dig in so much. Yeah, and like, I, I hate Sharknados too, but those those are among my least favorites. Just because, like, the individual jokes are funny, but the overall tag is like, hey, a lava lantula sucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're the one watching it, Jackass. Yeah. Like, that's, which is, you know, arguably true of every MST. And mm-hmm. Kevin Murphy even said that. I, I think it was him. Uh, he said, the premise of our show is that this guy or gal now gets uh, sent into space and has to watch a bad movie. In order to produce the show, we lock ourselves in a room and watch the bad movie about seven times to make the jokes that he can then say on the show. Mm-hmm. The irony of that is not lost on us. Yeah. Uh, so this arguably applies to the whole thing. Anyways, I didn't mean to go down that cul-de-sac. Uh, nothing wrong with the episode. I'm just, I'm curious why that out of the whole season was the Joel episode. Especially since the next one is Gamma versus Jeter. Yeah. Which would have been perfect for Joel. I would say if I had to like plug Joel into one of these, I would maybe do the shape of things to come. Just because mm-hmm. it's about a guy in a jumpsuit with robots. Yeah. So, uh, Okay, yeah. But we are, we're up to Gamera versus Jigger. Uh, the first Gamera uh, mystery science theater in, I want to say, 30 years? That, that's right, so, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they've still not done all of them, by the way. Yeah. So if Gamera, sure. if they come back for season 14, which, fingers crossed, another Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I do hope they do Gamera versus Virus or whatever mm-hmm. the remaining one is. But yeah. yeah. It's Virus. Yeah, this was always uh, kind of the gap in the toothy smile of the original Gameras, mm-hmm. which, you, you know, I would rank the Gameras alongside anything they've ever done. Yeah. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think those are very beloved episodes. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, something about Gamera versus Jigger, Jagger. I'll just say Jigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's something about Gamera versus Jigger. I, I seem to recall reading this that in order to get the rights for it, one of the requirements was that they could not episode, uh, edit the episode the way they usually do. Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like I was misinformed here, but I do remember reading like they had to show this one uncut. Meaning, I think this is the longest episode yeah. of Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it rules. This is yes. one of the, the, not just like a highlight of the season, like this is one of the best things they've done since coming back. Yeah. Like since the, uh, you know, Mike left the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so much goddamn fun. I'm a sucker for these anyways. But, I mean, what, what's your take on it? Uh, I loved it just... Jigger's series of complicated powers and biological weapons, like <laughs> apparently kind of Byzantine shooting, monster shooting spears out of his horns and rockets out of his neck. It's yeah, it's a really weird design. It it truly is, and 
Maybe this is one of the th- differences between Gamera and uh, Godzilla to me. The Godzilla uh, creatures, it's not that they are uh, normal yeah. <laughs> or regular, God knows, but, but there's kind of a cohesive quality to it. So, like, mm-hmm. King Cesar is just like a temple dog, like guardian spirit thing. Yeah. Anguilus is just like a sort of horned dinosaur. Mm-hmm. It, if they can do things, it usually makes a degree of sense. Like, Rodan can, like, summon winds by flapping his wings. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, that tracks. That makes sense, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, the Gamera movies are, what if every monster was Gigan? Yeah. Where, like, they would not... every Like, Gigan is, like, the beautiful corpse monster. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop adding elements to this. So every Gamera thing is like, okay, what if there was, like, a, a Gamera-type guy... But he had a knife for a head. And then I shoot strong stars. Mm-hmm. What if there was like a kind of puppy dog dinosaur monster that like stomps around and can hit you with his tongue. And his back makes a rainbow that kills you. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jigger is absolutely like fully equipped with like spikes, lasers, breath. <laughs> it impregnates you with a little Jigger. Yeah, more than is strictly necessary. Yeah. Um... And then what? What was Zegra is like a shark who is also a ship. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Uh, so yeah, the the Jigar, it's just everything you would want from a movie like this. It takes place at the World's Fair, like the Japanese mm-hmm. Expo. Yeah. So they have tons of shitty models to wreck, and of course they do sketches about like the Expo exposition. So you go to Expo Con. 2022 to see the newest expo technology (laughs) they are milking that for all it's worth and uh it ends with possibly my favorite moment of the season uh they have their uh their pogues tribute essentially (laughs) yeah now here's as good a place as any to talk about this does the show feel more musical yeah yeah um not and necessarily good or bad way i guess they did a bunch of music back in the day i know mike is mm-hmm. like a musician like he's a, certainly a musical advocate yeah uh he was he and kevin were like known as like the two musical types because kevin's the only one who can really sing mm-hmm. um was it just having jonah around where he is a legit yeah. musician too where they're like yeah, let's let's do more of that. Let's have like yeah, I think so. Jonah's drum powered machine, and then his drum powered spaceship, and then Doctor Earhart can bust out his bass and all this stuff. Yeah, I think so. Um, so for a lot of people, the the highlight of like MST: The Return in season eleven, the big moment where everyone went, "Oh, okay, I'm on board." Was uh, every country has a monster? Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if that's almost gotten too popular at this point. Like, did do you get that bit. feeling? I'm not trying to be a spoil sport. I think, I think it's awesome. I think it's hilarious. It's one of the best songs they've ever done on the show. They even say that, like, like Heston, you don't, uh, not every day you come up with a, every country has a monster. You gotta give us good songs consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's true. And I think that, uh. It's a real standout, and I get why they front-loaded it in the, that season. There, I 
they're a little too aware of how good it is. Mm. Like, and I, I guess I shouldn't complain. It's, they spent like four years singing, you know, he tried to kill me with a forklift. Yeah. Like back, yeah, I'm probably like, you know, overthinking it. But every now and again, though, they'll bring it up and they'll have somebody like singing every country has a monster. And I'm like, yeah, I know it was good. Like it's, it's less fun when the characters on the show are pleased with it. This is a very tiny thing. It's a very small complaint, but I'm like, yeah, you don't have to be that hopped up on it. Uh, so anyways, I do like that one. Uh, this is about as good as that for me. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's just their song about the death of Tiger for some reason. But for some reason, it is done as like... <clears throat> Body of an American by the Pogues. <laughs> so it's the the joke is like kind of like obvious, like an Irish wake. Yeah. So I get that, but it, it's it is an authentic ass parody. Yeah. It's it's like how like the flight of the Concords, that stuff still holds up because of how specific it is. Like they're yeah. You could point to a song and you're like, okay, that's them doing rock sound. That's them doing uh West Side Girls. Yeah. Uh, and like capturing the spirit of the thing without just doing like a weird owl treatment to it. Mm -hmm. Same thing, like this feels like every Pogue song mm -hmm. without just being like they used one of the the backing tracks or something. Yeah. So yeah, this was one of my favorite episodes they've ever done. No quality, not, not even like of the Jonah era. Like No, this is like one of the best mm -hmm. things I think they've ever done. It's super sized. It yeah. ends with an all timer musical number. Like this, if they had just come back, like, hey guys, the Kickstarter failed. We got like five hundred dollars, so we can only do one episode. Yeah, I'd be like, cool. I really love this one off <laughs> special that they did. Mm. So they plunk it right in the middle of the season because I think they know it's it was kind of their uh, their barnstormer this time. Mm. Yeah. So anyways, I'm carrying on. But the next episode is Batwoman. Which, not the wild world of Batwoman, just Batwoman. A woman who dresses up like... The Adam West Batman. The Adam West Batman. Confusingly. Confusingly. And uh, swims a lot more than a Batwoman should. <laughs> that's, that's maybe the best running joke in the episode. How... Because it's a 60s movie, so like, you know, 80% of it takes place on a yacht. Yeah. Because that's what those movies, yeah. you know, look at Batman the movie, look at fucking Thunderball. Uh, but I do like Emily's references to like, man, like I I knew when I saw the title Batwoman that we were going to be seeing a lot of swimming, but I didn't expect as much swimming. Like, <laughs> yes, there you can see her slicing through the water like a bat. <laughs> they, they really <laughs> lean into that to deserve at least so. Uh, there's a, one of the weirder dubs in a, uh, I don't know, a genre that does not laugh for weird dubs. And, uh, yeah, if you ever wanted something that's just... I know I compare a lot of things to Danger 5. Yeah. This is a Danger 5-ass episode. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, any other thoughts on it? It's just kind of weird. It's just like kind of a boring spy movie where one of the women dresses like a sexy version of Adam West Batman. Yeah. It's a lot better than the movie Bat Pussy. 
Yeah, there's that. And and it's the the riffs are very good, but it's one of those movies where like nothing is funnier than just seeing her stand around. Mm-hmm. So just be like, we, we've got to get out of here. We got to free the prisoners, and then you just have like her '60s Tommy like above her little blue bikini bottoms. Like it, it's like the Santa <laughs> ones where yeah. when he's on screen, they cannot stop. No, like, like nothing is as funny as just Santo being a guy tooling around in his town car. <laughs> yeah, like you don't. The, the jokes are good, but nothing is funnier than that. So, and you know, appropriate for. Uh, Christmas, one of the best uh, Christmas riff tracks, uh, riff tracks is, is uh, I believe, in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know my favorite moment from the movie. Because, yeah, yeah if you haven't... I know you have, but uh, if the audience hasn't seen it, uh, first of all, you're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. But second of all, it is like a dumb Euro trash, like, Santa Claus movie where it was clearly French, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the main characters, uh, I don't know if it's meant to be the same character, but it's the same actress as, like, a teacher who's then, like, a magical Christmas fairy. Yeah. And her whole stay, I do not know who it was, but clearly she won, like, the Eurovision song contest. Mm-hmm. It's like, Tati is in this movie. Oh, oh, they managed to get Tati. Tati will be producing three original songs for the film. Yeah. Like, it, it's very much, like, that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. At the very end, she's conducting a Christmas choir then when it gets to, like, the crescendo, the choir cuts out, she turns around and sings yes. the choir. And you're like... Enough <laughs> of you suckers. Yeah, just like, okay, I'm taking it from here. Like, you will get that every now and again where there is something in the movie which even the refs are like, I got nothing. Like, nothing I say is funnier than this. Like, I love... Dude, I love the, uh, the mystery... I'm sorry, the riff tracks for the room. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Nothing in the riff is funnier than Tommy going, I'll be out in a minute, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like that gets them. <laughs> yeah, so Batwoman's a little bit of nothing, but at least it's a colorful nothing. Uh, after that, we have, it's the million eyes of Subaru and the shape of things to come. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of those two? Um... I, I, they keep going back to Sumeru. I, I mean, it was a while ago. It's different people. But they did it in KTMA, then they did a riff tracks of it, then they did this one. Um, I think it's good riffing material, because it's... It is. You have, like, the... Like the cardigan-wearing James Bond type. Yeah, and you have Frankie Avalon playing, you know, himself, but a spy. Yeah, kind of the Burt Ward, too, the main guy. And again, um, I, I, this is my pet theory, but you know the James Bond films? Yeah. I think one reason the James Bond films caught on is because a 29-year-old Sean Connery is among the most charismatic mammals to ever walk the earth. <laughs> and say we live up Dragonheart or whatever. <laughs> Talking about, like, Dr. No-era Sean Connery. I'm mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I get why people showed up for this. <laughs> yes. And I love all these movies, Agent for Harm. You don't hear a lot of people talk about that one, but that's no. that's a favorite of, of mine out of the uh, the sci-fi years. Anytime it's essentially a warmed-over James Bond thing, and then it's just like Ward Cleaver yeah. is the main character. Uh, 
Yeah, just some guy who's just indistinguishable from Shooter McGavin is playing mm-hmm. the main hero in Dockers. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, no, I assure you this is a, a more than adequate substitute for uh, Adam Adamant. <laughs> But it also has two Klaus Kinskis, so there's that to it. There is that. Most movies only have one Klaus Kinski, (laughs) or fewer, (laughs) depending on how many times he threatened the director. Uh, Yeah, we get two Klaus Kinskis in this one. This one gets two Klaus Kinskis because it's the funniest one. (laughs) Guess what shit face I did. (laughs) Okay, we're going to have to do a documentary now. (laughs) Guess what shit mouth. I'm dead. <laughs> These are my stupid ashes. Ich bin sorry. Okay. Um, so yeah, Subaru, it's, it's a type of movie I dig. So Shape of Things to Come, for that matter. Yeah. It's kind of... It has nothing to do with the H.G. Wells novel. By no, way. it is a... If you thought that uh, Village of the Giants was a, a liberal adaptation... Oh, H.G. Wells. Fruit of the Gods. Yeah. Was it... Now, it was Village of the Giants where mm-hmm. it says, like, based on a novel by H.G. Wells, and they go, no, no, don't drag him into the <laughs> Yeah. That's how I feel. I like H.G. Wells as a writer and as a dude. Anytime they're, they're like, yeah, it's it's uh, our new uh, War of the Worlds, our new uh, Invisible Man knockoff from H.G. Wells. Memoirs of an Invisible Man, suggested by H.G. Wells. You're like, I think you can keep his name out of your mouth. <laughs> it's like how, I think legally, they had to put the the credit uh, loosely inspired by the work of Robert Louis Stevenson on The Clumps. Since oh Nutty Professor God. is a Jekyll and Hyde Spin-off, spin-off. Oh my! I, I think I they mean, actually it have is, to do but that. But I've never even thought of. Okay, like it's it's such a weird thing. All right. Well, anyway, it, it's Shape of Things to Come is almost like the platonic ideal mm-hmm. of a stupid riff movie. Yeah, where it's like, okay, do you have like a guy and a girl who aren't like off-putting, but are just nothing? Yeah. Does it? Maybe take place sort of in the future. Are there mutants? And you can tell they're mutants just because they have fright wigs. Do you have Donald Pleasance in there? Getting a, a healthy bonking at the end of the movie. And what I Jack do, uh, do Who did I say? Donald Pleasance. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> However, can I confuse their careers? <laughs> no, but you're, you're entirely right. Uh, Jack Palance is in there. Uh, He's just bonked in the head by that thing. Yeah, that, the whole movie is leading up to that, uh, where... I, I think an authentic shot of him getting bonked by a ceiling. It's, it's a piece of foam. Yeah. It's like a steel girder hit him. Or yeah. Like when the men's room collapsed on Tom Waits when he was on The Daily Show. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, you do kind of see him like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you, yeah, you sit through the movie for two things. You've got uh, Palance getting bonked. Mm-hmm. And then Palance's rotating hologram. <laughs> yeah. He can't just appear as a giant terrifying face in the sky. It has to look like, to quote Mike, it looks like he's standing on a Roomba. <laughs> and nothing could make it better until his arch nemesis and the good guys goes, you should have approached us with your uh, hologram. I- impressive though it may be. <laughs> 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 Is it his birthday or something? <laughs> 
tried to let him down gently. Um, oh, and it, you have uh, Gleep Glorps. Mm-hmm. You have one Gleep Glorp who can uh, teleport, which means they don't have to have the sad effect of him walking from <laughs> yeah. one place to another. Uh, this also continues the great Rift Tracks MST tradition of giving robots godlike powers. Yeah. That are just, like, my favorite being Rotor, who can see through time. It's like how Robbie the Robot in Forbidden Planet could create matter. It's like, that makes him a little OP. Like, that's a bit much. I know he's kind of, sort of, a little supposed to be Ariel from uh, Tempest, but not really. (laughs) But it's, it's a bit much for him. Yeah. Creating matter is something which a... To date, we haven't figured out how to do. Yeah, you can't create... <laughs> like, didn't it make news uh, a month or two ago? Uh, they finally managed a uh, uh, fusion that works. Yeah. Like, like on a... Literally just on a molecular level, where it was like three atoms, and for, I think, one of the first times ever, it was that more energy was produced by the fusion reaction than was expended creating it. Um... And that alone was just like, okay, we may have invented the Shizuma drive. Yeah. Like, you know, give us a couple decades, but uh, we may have just read the prologue to a science fiction novel. <laughs> and even then, it's like, yeah, that's as far as we've gotten, that we can uh, turn one electron into one and a half electrons. Mm-hmm. But no, by all means, creating the base ore of the universe from thin air is uh, certainly not the devil's work. So, Subaru and Shape of Things to Come, not bad episodes, but they suffered in me a little bit because Rift Tracks got to them first. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, I get that that's an unfair metric. There's no rule that says, like, you know, one troop can do it. Like, oh, uh, well, Mike already did it, so, like, Frank and Trace can't do a mad episode. Yeah, it's the fact that, like, every group has done... Uh, Santa Claus versus the devil. Yeah, and, and Santa Claus conquers the Martians yeah. at this point. So, I'm not saying you can't do it or, like, tisk tisk or anything like that. However, when you do that, you do invite comparisons. Yeah. I feel the same way about, like, when, <clears throat> when MST does these, I go, like, uh, they're not bad, but if I ever go back to these, I'm just going to watch the Rift Tracks versions because yeah. I think they're even funnier. The same thing applies to Rift Tracks. Like, you know, not super infrequently, they, they'll double dip and do, like, uh, Hobgoblins or Zombie Nightmare. I think usually for a live show, that mm-hmm. makes it a little more special. But it, it's fun to see that, but that's not going to replace the original. Like No, the, the old... I like the new Zombie Nightmare. The old Zombie Nightmare is classic. Yeah, yeah. And same thing, like, in the past year or two, uh, what I think when they could... It might have been the last one before COVID, actually. Maybe I'm getting my years mixed up. But not long ago, they did a live show for Space Mutiny. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah. I'm glad I went. I had a good time. I'm not popping that on instead of the MST episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, which, surely, like, top ten, maybe even top five, right? Like, yeah. Space Mutiny is just acknowledged all-time platinum fucking classic <laughs> MST. <laughs> And it's almost weird to watch, like, the new one and go, like, oh, they're not doing, like, the Debbie's birthday jokes. <laughs> Although it's not without its charms. I do like the, uh, when they go into the club, oh, not bad, not bad. 
what about this rises to the level of not bad? <laughs> <laughs> and I also, when they do the new ones, they can sometimes include more material. Yeah. So I, I get it, but I'm like, eh, I'm just going to watch the old time chasers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe having them back to back also yeah. doesn't help. Uh, after that, though, we're in the home stretch. We got the mask 3D. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the only black and white film yeah. from uh, season 11, 12, or 13. That's fine. Uh, what do we have to say about this piece of trash? One of the best host segments ever is when the landlady from the movie comes in, <laughs> played by Rebecca Hanson. What's going on with all your doodads? You're always doing and dadding. Oh, they have to go watch the movie again. What? Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a quite a scene-stealing landlady. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think she's in like one or two other scenes, but... She gets a reaction shot to somebody dying in her fireworks. <laughs> like, the camera might as well, like, zoom into her mouth and then you see the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she is thoroughly up there in the Hall of Fame along with the, the Radar Secret Service. Like, oh, no, a dead body. I'll take it from here. Thank you. The director's mistress, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they have... Uh, Rebecca Hansen, who I, I think is very funny, but, like, doesn't get a ton to do. No. This was my favorite thing she's done. I'm <laughs> yes. like, oh, just don't worry about having, like, a fifth version of Pearl Forrester. It's getting kind of complicated, to be honest. Just have that be the landlady for Moon 13. Yeah. Like, just bring that. Like, the, like that would not be beneath them. Like, mm. oh, they, they would never bring back Crankor or Torgo or Ortega or some character they didn't like. It, it harkens back to the days of Deep 13 where people would just fucking show up. Yeah. Like, someone would just walk in like, from the movie. Yeah, so. Like, you, you think, like, what is the science to this? There are movies in the show, so how are the characters? No, no, it, it does always tickle you when, like, so, like, Steve Reeves, the actor, will yeah. show up, but then in another episode, it's like, hey, it's Mothra from Godzilla vs. Mothra. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, please don't do that. I'm a very busy moth. <laughs> so, yeah, the mask, uh, the whole selling point here is that it's in 3D, yeah. uh, which... They kind of replicate at the end. They have, like, the talking skull mm-hmm. up here on the show. That Now, this episode was uh, directed by Jonah, apparently. I think so, yeah. Yeah, which is not at all uncommon. If you watch shows, like, you know, half of... If you watch, like, uh, Better Call Saul, you'll see that, like, Bob directs an episode and Ray Sheehorn directs. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, common. I had not noticed anybody <laughs> doing it for... Uh, this season so far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know it's been done, like, I mentioned uh, Agent from Harm, where the host segments there are when Mike is on trial for blowing up all the planets. Yeah. Uh, he directed that episode. Yeah, I like what they said. He was a really good director. It could have done without the joppers and writing crap, though. <laughs> he showed up just like Eric von Stroheim. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. I, I apologize for just doing bits. 
not even from this season, but I the the trial episode. I do love when the the judge, who's just like Bill Corbin, it's he's just like mm-hmm. the observer, but not because it's Bill Corbin in the hood. But I love when he's taking Mike to task and he tells him like, "You have so far destroyed three separate planets." Frankly. We find this sort of ignorant and bellicose behavior indicative of the entire human race. Oh, so is this one of those things where, like, I'm on trial for all of humanity, and if I'm found guilty, you'll condemn all of mankind? What? No, you're the one on trial here, Nelson. Stop trying to blame the rest of mankind. I just thought it was... Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just... I'm a big fan of those, like... My race has evolved beyond, uh, my race has evolved beyond the need for war. We only kill out of personal spite. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, The Mask, pretty good. It's their Halloween episode, which, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Like, Mystery Science Theater has never shaken that, like, clubhouse feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's adorable how they have, like, fan contests, and they don't read letters anymore. Yeah, probably for the best. But mm-hmm. I, I do like how it, it was just like, yeah, tune in for our Halloween episode. And send yeah. your costumes and everything. Which I did with my friend Jesse. Yeah, you got to get roasted by uh, a Waverly and Growler. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we're on to the bubble, which uh, I wish the bubble was titled the testicle, so I could kick it in itself. <laughs> yeah, that movie. It's goddamn infuriating. What? Okay. It's, it, it's not even made clear what is going on. There's not, like, some payoff of, like, they go into a room and there's, like, a giant alien and he explains what the hell he's been doing with them. Yeah. There's not even that. Like, Mysterious Planet had that. And that movie is fucking garbage. Okay. I, dude, I will say, because it does just end, like, the hero gives a speech and then the, the bubble, the titular bubble opens. Mm-hmm. The gods or aliens that created it uh, are moved for some reason. Um, as far as cop out endings, this this is not going to dethrone. There was no monster. Yeah, <laughs> no monster and go go. It's not too far behind though. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, I I don't know what it is because uh, by almost any metric. This is probably the best produced movie of the season. Yeah. Or or at least it's up there. Like, you can see what's happening. Clearly some money was spent on it. Mm-hmm. It had, like, like 3D effects or something. So it, it's... Yeah. It's a very visual movie. There are even, like, shots. Because there have to be for the effects to work. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about the story where you're just like, like shut up. The guy, the guy going, like... Haven't I always been in a bubble? I mean, in my cradle, school, the army, it's like, God, I'm going to fucking hate you so much. Yeah, like, it's, there are worse movies and there are worse episodes this season. Um, I think out of this newest crop of, what was it, 12? This is the movie that I most wanted to hit. Yeah, the most punchable yeah. movie. It's not, it is not the hardest watch. It is not the most depressing but it's the one where, while the movie's talking, I want to just slap it on the back of the head yeah. so it loses its place. <laughs> There's not much else to say about it. It's a super annoying movie. Um, 
the the reaction I, I remember Joel saying like oh like this one was giving me Manos flashbacks and like ah, that's overstating it this is mm-hmm. not this is not down there in like the the Manos Castle of Fu Manchu Monster Go Go yeah sewer. I do hate this movie though <laughs> mm-hmm. I think uh, I think they overstate how bad it is but they're correct how obnoxious it is yeah. Uh, and then that brings us to, uh, since we wound up just running through it anyways, The Christmas Dragon, mm-hmm. yeah, which aired like a week ago as we record this. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that one? I liked it. Yeah. And it's one of the newer ones, so it's just soaking with bad CGI. Yeah, the, the movie is one of the newer ones, you mean. Yeah. Like Demon Squad, it's from like two years ago or something. Yeah. Uh, they have the dragon that just looks like Toothless from... How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Like, way too much. Like, if... Yeah, uh, the title kind of um, over-promises the amount of dragon that you're going to see in the movie. It's... It's not very much of... It's like a Middle-Earth type thing. There is a quest... It's honestly a quest you could make in a day. Yeah. It's like me going to the grocery store on the way over to record this was my quest. Yeah. The honestly, the distance. Yeah, um, it's not much of a quest. It's not much of a movie. Um, as always, my usual disclaimer: the riffs were good. Like, mm-hmm. No complaints there. Um, I think this movie is almost too good. Like it, I'm not saying like it's like it's too good for them to riff the way that like, yeah. Casino Royale or something is. Yeah, that's nonsensical because Riff Tracks has done great movies and they're hilarious because mm-hmm. like Rift Tracks has done Casablanca and The Wizard of Oz yeah. and It's a Wonderful Life and the episodes are hilarious because yeah. you're not going like oh good, like this sucks bogey can act <laughs> like mm-hmm. this guy again yeah, you're, you're like making fun of like the you know the uh, kind of cultural clout that it has yeah. and they do still get the occasional pot shot I, I like it Casablanca the uh don't worry, the Nazis are miles away. Here, I'll just use a unit of measurement that's meaningless to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm not saying the Christmas dragon is like that, but I wanted it to be worse. Yeah. Like, leading into it, seeing the poster, it was, like, it's the end of the year, there was a little bit of me that was like, I, I want this to be as bad as, like, Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonders. Mm-hmm. Like, one of those. And instead, it's not even like it's not even like a bad movie. Where if you caught it on TV, you go like, "God, what is this? Who made this piece yeah. of shit?" It's it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's about as good as like the Neverending Story two or something. Like, it reminded me of the South African fantasy movies they did a little bit of on on Rift Tracks on Rift Tracks last you know. Not last unicorn. The littlest, littlest unicorn, unicorn uh, Merlin, and Fairy King of R, where there's not a lot of meat to them. No, they they're not good. But like, I I literally do not remember a joke from any of the ones you just named. Yeah, they're too slick. They're too nothing. Mm-hmm. They are too like white clamshell DVD and a Walgreens. Yeah, uh, and because of that, I'm I'm like watching it and I'm. Without hyperbole, not no snark here. 
I'm watching like the Christmas dragon as as I'm enjoying the riffing, but as far as the movie goes, I'm like, this is marginally better than the Willow series that Percy yeah. and I are trying to watch on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm watching it. I'm going like, okay, it's not better than Rings of Power. But it's also bugging me less than Rings of Power. It's certainly moving quicker than Rings of Power. <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe that's it. Like the fact that I liked House of the Dragon, but besides that, 2022 was the year of me trying to watch streaming fantasy movies and going, oh, and having to put my head between my legs for a couple minutes. <laughs> Just watching something that's essentially that, but 85 minutes, I was like, oh, Mana from Heaven. Bring this, it's like watching a clip show so I don't have to sit through like a 500 episode anime. Yeah. Like, I'll take it. Um, and then we end with the humans escaping for mm-hmm. the time being. Yeah, <laughs> until they need to come back. Yeah. So we shall see. Uh, it's a, by Mystery Science Theater standards, I will say this was an involved production. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. characters having to like move towards certain locations. Yeah. Action occurring in physical space. Like, for something that once blew the budget with the Hamdinger's box, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's big in that sense. I guess it's funny enough, my favorite joke, because they're all, they're escaping, the satellite is music-powered. Mm-hmm. So it's like Emily, Jonah, and Joel, like, playing a session together. Yeah. When they're getting more juice, and they go like, wait, we, we need another song that we can play. Uh, quick, We'll just do the Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000 theme song. And Joel goes, uh, okay, but I only know the words to Mike's version. <laughs> that, that's great. That, that was my, that one killed me. Um, yeah, so that's the season. Those are the episodes. Um, how would you stack this against the Netflix ones? Um, a little bit better. I, I like the Netflix ones. I'm not, like, dumping on them like a lot of people do. I I genuinely really dug those. Like, I like to go back and watch them again sometime, uh, like a third time. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, this one had a lot of... It, I think with the Netflix ones, they kind of flew too close to the sun in some occasions like like it's always going to be a cheap looking show but like you're making it look a bit too non-cheap and like you're getting too many of your famous friends to be so it's like it it had a weird kind of feel to it it was still funny it was still mst but there was a bit too much polish to it this is genuinely like oh this looks like something that, like, a richer-than-average YouTuber can make. Yeah. Like, something like that. I get what you mean, and it's... See, for me, that's something that I thought worked very slightly against the show. And again, this is going to sound super stupid, like, everything that we might say in the next five, ten minutes. I loved the new season. Mm -hmm. I hope they make more. I will keep watching it. Yeah. Like... Never doubt Joel, never doubt James Cameron. Mm-hmm. So p- please take everything I say with uh, that that disclaimer beforehand. But, you know, there's some things I like more than others. There's mm-hmm. some things that I think work that I'd like to see more or less of. Um, I 
I did not mind the level of polish in the Netflix series because to me it was just, oh, this is what the show looks like now. Mm-hmm. And I know it really bugged some people where they're like, it's it's too flashy, it's too good looking. Um, I did not mind that like, oh, Crow's arms move now and the, the sets are clearly bigger. Because when I watched it, you know, MST had been off for close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. So when they did this, I just went, oh, this is... This is what mystery science theater looks like now. Yeah. Like, this looks different than the sci-fi channel years, the same way that Skyfall looks different than On Your Majesty's Secret Service. Or yeah. Like, I, I just took it in that sort of sense. The problem is that when you have the uh, not exactly high budget, mm-hmm. but apparently too high for Netflix, when you have that and then the Netflix money goes away and it's back to what it was... I feel like the season 13, just in terms of the aesthetics, it's stuck in a weird place where, like, it doesn't look as tactile and, like, clubhouse-y, to go back mm-hmm. to how I described it before. It doesn't have that that sort of, like, shoebox feeling that made the, uh, the original 10 or so seasons very charming. Yeah. But it also doesn't look as good as the Netflix ones. Mm-hmm. Case in point, like, uh, I really dig uh, Moon 13 in the Netflix show. I kind of like that it's a set. Yeah. It's not a big set. It's not an expensive set. But I like that it actually has, like, corners and angles. And, like, they can, op- they yeah. can open it up a bit. Uh, the theme song is a treat. Mm-hmm. When you have, like, the boneheads pushing Kenya around on her little yeah. dais. Stuff like that. I'm like, okay, you're spoiling me a little. A little bit of stop action mm-hmm. for stuff. Um I was very tickled by that. And the thing that I hope they either find an alternative or my eyes just get used to it. The fact that the, the sets are now green screen. Yeah. I get it. They probably filmed half of this during COVID and also they don't have a huge budget, but to have like Max and Kinga just have to stand perfectly still in front of what is essentially like a zoom background. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of miss like the old or even like Frank and Forrester when like Deep 13 could go all the way back like eight whole feet yeah <laughs> you know it, it, it there's a certain flatness to it and I get that it's like the stupidest thing imaginable for me to go well the new mystery science theater looks a little cheap yeah I understand how stupid that sounds what I mean is that it looks cheap in a sort of again like a kind of flat zoom meeting kind of way mm-hmm. as opposed to cheap in the sense of we got a bunch of masters of the universe battle bones and painted them red to make them demon dogs yeah okay that kind of cheap i'm on board for yeah every time you have an astronaut it's the old toy biz magneto with his helmet taken off <laughs> yeah now we're fucking talking like i'm on board for that every time you need an action figure it's just the lynch harkonnen uh-huh and so stuff like that and then the same thing with the uh uh, the the satellite, uh, it has to be a little flat, like the, the view screen things. Mm-hmm. Tom now has a transparent, I'm sorry, an opaque head. Yeah. Because otherwise they can't do the effect. And I'm like, it doesn't spoil the show, but that's not my favorite way for them to go about this. Mm-hmm. And then I know what you mean about getting in, like, their famous friends. Yeah. I feel like season 11 has one Jerry Seinfeld too many. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it's Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And I guess I guess he does okay in isolation. Other than that, it's like, yeah, I don't watch the show just because I'm waiting for, like, Justin Roiland or John Hodgman to show up or, or some mm-hmm. shit like that. However, it is pretty fun when... Like, I'm not going to complain about Mark Hamill as the, the evil... The mind slap. Yeah, I'm not going to complain when it's Joel as Jewish Santa and then Elliot fucking Kalen is his assistant. <laughs> as Whipple. Yeah. Whipple made a boom boom. Yeah. Oh, so much with you. That alone... I know Elliot comes in in a couple episodes and he's like a consulting producer on this. You can kind of get some Elliot stink coming off the Netflix years, and I am here for it. <laughs> yeah. like, if you know his sense of humor from the flop house, I'm like, yeah, I don't mind him being the head writer of this. Sorry, guys, but you snuffed and you lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, my friend, uh, uh, I guess I'll omit her name for no particular reason, but she's also a flop house fan. She talked about the driving scene in uh, Mac and Me, where it's like, <laughs> okay, now I'm just going to use my left hand to reach behind the steering wheel and then pull down the turn signal. Okay, now engaging traffic. Left foot, you keep doing what you're doing. Right foot, you get down on that accelerator. Good work, team. Okay, now we're merging. And she's like, that's the most Elliot thing I've ever heard. Like, somebody <laughs> yes. narrating the movement of a human body in real life. Yes, yes. Like, Why is this taking forever? Um, speaking of, I'll shut up so we can wrap up the episode. Uh, but same thing, uh, some of the new aesthetic I don't really get. And also (laughs) the show does sometimes get more complicated than it needs to. Mm -hmm. I have said this about Joel before, like he, because he is like an inventor and a comedian and like one of the most genuinely creative like, uh, entertainers. Yeah. I saw just like, my wife's a bitch, or, like, whatever. Like, here's a guy who has, like, an actual comic mind. Yeah, you go, it, it was, yeah. when he went on stage in the 80s, it's like, what if I'm a comedian and a spy? Yeah. Like, that was, just ripped that out of his ass and decided to run with it. Yeah, and so, that's where you get everything about MST that makes it MST. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain about that. But... We're at the point where there are three hosts, and I don't have trouble. I'm like, wait, wait, which one's which? What episode am I watching? Do I eat the show? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it confuses me, but there is a point where you're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it would be better if it was just like, just one host. And I don't, because I don't want to get rid of anybody. Yeah. But I'm like, I really liked, uh, you know, Jonah and his crew. I, I totally warmed to them as the new cast. But now that Emily is on with uh, her new bots, I'm like, I love the Jonah episodes. Like, like they did the Gamera one this season. Like mm-hmm. I say, that was a big favorite of mine. If they came back for season 14 and they were like, oh, like Jonah's busy. Like, he, yeah. got, he got like a true TV show. Mm-hmm. So like Emily will just be like the lone host now. And I'd be like, Sure. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. fine. <laughs> like, um, I think it's because Joel is, from the sound of it, he's creative, but he's also a good boss. I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to fire anybody. Yeah. So that's why there's now, like, eight of each robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like th- this comes through uh, with the hosts as well, where, you know, okay, like, Kinga and Max, where, 
like god bless them they're great but it's so clear that like they film their scenes in like three hours separately from everybody else yeah they just <laughs> they just gang shoot them yeah, as, I mean, as quickly as possible like I'm not I'm not like knocking anybody I'm guessing Patton probably has like more to do later that day than some of the other people involved uh uh, again, not making fun. Like, I would love it if my day job was Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of have to coordinate this. Uh, but So you had... Uh, it's Rebecca Hansen plays Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is that she's a clone of Pearl. Yeah. But then, just because like, Mary Jo is fun to have around, and like it seems like a pretty easy job for her to swing by mm-hmm. you now have like pearl forester is now just back as a regular mm-hmm. you probably see more of her than any other single like mad this season yeah and then you have cynthia there is this oh there's just like another her there i guess mm-hmm. and then you have mega cynthia who was introduced for the live shows and apparently she i you told me she was like ill this year Mm-hmm. So she's like on the show, but not much. So it ends up being like, yeah, sort of like I, I'm glad she's on it at all. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's like uh, her uh, GoFundMe. She had uh, MS, and for her GoFundMe, it, I think like they got double what they needed in a day. Good, something like that. I mean, it was that's just, it. just beautiful. Okay, in order A, nobody should have to have a GoFundMe to pay for disease treatment in this country. Mm-hmm. B, everybody who has a GoFundMe should make that much money. But C, cool. I'm glad that she yeah. is getting uh, that kind of funding for it. Um, but yeah, so the result is that you have like three of those same characters, and if you haven't watched the live shows. Then you're like, wait, what's Mega Cynthia? Like, yeah, who's Emily? Like, if they they at least like introduce her on the show, mm-hmm. I guess there is a decent amount of like the new season where you're like, do I know who Donna Saint Fives is? <laughs> like, have we met? Nothing wrong with her. It's it's like I a, like her. No, it's it's great when she swings by, but you're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, it's a uh, it's from a live show that. We did not record. <laughs> did like, not have the sense to do that. Yeah. If you did not show up to see it when it came near your town, uh, you're not going to really know why there's three of this character now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like maybe one thing I would change since they're just going to keep making more mm-hmm. and adding on and hopefully touring. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think this should be a continuity-heavy show to begin with. I'm not saying get rid of anybody. I, I don't want like a f- fire their ass for the show. I'm just saying that at this point, it's like this. This is getting slightly more rococo than just like two scientists torture three people with movies. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, but back to what works. I do love uh, Emily's. Just terrific as the yeah. most instantly acquitted herself. Both of the bots. Um, Kelsey Ann Brady, how are people responding to her, by the way? Some people do not like the voice. They just can't really uh, jive with it. Yeah, like, no, what? That's that's okay. Some people killed themselves when that comet came close to Earth. You don't have to be right about everything. <laughs> yeah. But most people are like, yeah, I like her voice. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I get to listen to Millhouse, but it's funny. Yeah. 
she is, a, and that, that's the biggest one when you're like, oh, like, Crow will be a girl voiced by a girl or a lady this time. Mm-hmm. She's over 12. I should be respectful. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Uh, and you almost forget, because every now and again, they'll be like, hey, Crow, my man. And you're like, all mm-hmm. right, Crow is still, like, a guy within the sphere of the show. Yeah. It's because, uh, I guess I'm like some fans, I don't think of the robots as sexual beings. <laughs> Although there is the old KTMA sketch, cybernetic remotely operated woman. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to me, and, until they specifically, like, refer to it otherwise, the new Crow, like, the Emily Crow is just, like, a girl to me. Mm-hmm. Like, a little, which works, because they're, like, little kids anyways. Yeah. So, you know, like, this bratty little punky Brewster. <laughs> um, no, it is, you're right, it's totally in the Simpsons mode of, like, a grown-ass woman doing, like, a hey voice for yeah. the, to play a kid. <laughs> so she has a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like they do occasionally, like, having more women on the show does let them get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the show was always tasteful, or when it was silly, it was never mean-spirited. But there, there's... I, I forget even what it was. It was in the last couple episodes. I think it might have been The Bubble... Like, the wife's breastfeeding or something. It's like, oh, he seems to be enjoying himself. And uh, Crow goes, yeah, tit for tat. And you're like, <laughs> you know what? That That's, like, funnier coming from her. It's, it's, whatever. It's a stupid joke. It's funny anyways. But, I'm like, yeah. It's, she is the funniest person to have delivered that line, you know? And another one is the short that, that go along with the... Oh yeah, tribute episodes. I believe <laughs> the the one with the fish mating. It's like there's a lot that a mother fish has to do, including keeping it tight. <laughs> and like that's funny coming from her. Yeah, just yeah, just having like the girl, the female version of like Randall from Clerks doing <laughs> like that's essentially what the voice is like. Ah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, Crow has always been my favorite. You went from Trace is, like, wonderful. Yeah. I love Bill as, like, the slightly meaner, but, like, maybe the most sarcastic Crow. Hampton is the most psychotic. <laughs> yeah. And, like, okay, like, yeah. He always has his dukes up, which yeah. I love. Which, I, yeah, I love, like, the kind of pugnacious Crow. I love the, the new one, too. Like, yeah. I, so I think it's... No, no, by all means... Let's just do the same thing for a fourth decade. Yeah. Uh, I think it's hilarious. I think it keeps the show fresh. And then, you know, I I don't think he gets quite as much uh, buzz because it's not as distinct. Connor McGiffin, mm-hmm. the guy that is doing Tom, I think he's crushing it with these. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, you know, that Kelsey M. Brady, like the crow voice, certainly catches your ear. Mm-hmm. Emily is visibly the new host. He, and they, they both started as, like, some of the tour performers, right? Mm-hmm. So he has that thing of, like, he has to be the understudy, but then also be as good as the regular guy when he gets the regular job. Like, what Zeppo actually was? Yeah, yeah. How people say, like, yeah, he was, when you talk to him, he was funny as crowd show. Yeah, yeah. And when he would, like, fill in for the characters, he would be just as good as they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wasn't just the other brother. Uh, same thing, I, I don't think he's getting quite as much uh, press as the word for, you know, a streaming show. Yeah. 
But people are quick to mention, like, Emily's doing a great job. Uh, Kelsey on Brady's doing a great job. He, I think he has the slightly more thankless, like, Tom has to feel a little more like old Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom has to be a bit more on, like, a continuity with some of the other Toms. I, I think he does it super well. Like, there's doesn't it's not distracting, it's not weird, doesn't seem nervous, none of this mm-hmm. other shit. Like he just slipped right in. So again, like I if they end up I I'm not saying I you know want to get rid of the old ones. If they wound up just being the default cast, I'm like, yeah, I think you could certainly live with it. Yeah, like like we said earlier, the thing of Dr. Mordred, that line is delivered perfectly just they left. Anton, give them what they want. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, so those are just some thoughts on the new season. Uh, I have no idea who's even watching at this point. Like, I don't mean that as a dig, but you can't get it anywhere except the Gizmoplex. The Gizmoplex could still be a little more user-friendly, mm. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and... I think I've mentioned this before with, like, the Venture Brothers, for instance. Um, I would get a little tired when people would complain about, like, oh, the Venture Brothers takes too long to come out. And guess what? It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, how could I possibly wait three years to see this thing that, when it's on, is the best thing on television, probably? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mind, you know, you can joke or whatever. I don't mind at all. I didn't make the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when that was just the go-to, like, oh, sorry, I grew a beard since season five came out. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I never got that where it's like, I can't believe I have to wait three years for a season of Venture Brothers. Now, waiting five years for Guardians of the Galaxy, that I can do. <laughs> yeah. Never made any sense to me. Um, waiting for James Gunn's new Superman movie, that I can do. Yeah, and it's... I feel like we're dumping on James Gunn now. So, uh, no, but I just mean in general, like, you wait that long for a movie and you don't mm-hmm. shut up about it. Like, yeah. This is easily as good as, you know, whatever else you'd be watching. Mm-hmm. I feel that way about Mystery Science, where if I have to go away for a couple of years, I'm not going to stop being a fan. It is unfortunate that I have the herky-jerky thing. So it's like, okay, we man- we managed to make season 13. Okay, January 1st, let's start that Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it'll do well, and it'll make enough yeah. money, and you'll get more, but then it's It like, always will. Okay, time to do that again. And it's it's almost frustrating. It's the same reason, like, it must suck to be a politician, where it's like, mm-hmm. great, now I have to go call another donor. <laughs> My favorite yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That, that alone, like, and people are like, oh, well, it's self-produced. They can do more. They don't have to answer to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I never got the feeling like Netflix was, like, really resting their thumb on the the yeah. season 11 and 12. I think they just kind of bought it and then canceled it. But I, I would not mind if they just had, like, a real Dr. Cabal, a mysterious benefactor who just goes, like, hey, here's enough money to make, like, three seasons Without stopping. <laughs> yeah. Because that's when the show hit its stride, right? Like, I like the early stuff, but it was that Comedy Central thing when, I think between season two and three, they just went, okay, how would you guys like to do a hundred episodes? Yeah. Just like seasons three, four, five, and six, and you're like, 
that that for a lot of people that is like mystery science theater it's just like oh we we can like buy a house <laughs> and it's like what mike would always say like once a year they would have a guy from la come down and go yeah you guys seem like you know what you're doing it's cold as hell here so i'm leaving <laughs> so yeah i've i like the show i like whatever they do with it i've learned to uh you know, I trust Joel with my life at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to start being a doubting Thomas with Joel Hodgson. Um, one thing I would love is if they could, I don't even know who it would be. It's not like any of the streaming services have money anymore. Yeah. No, no, have HBO Max, like hire them and cancel them halfway through the new season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would love it if, I don't Fucking Peacock or somebody even. Yeah. Finally just went, hey, do three seasons, do 50 episodes. Mm -hmm. And I would, I I think I would uh, like that. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I'm all for creator-owned stuff, but I imagine the creators would be relieved to just be able to, like, have, like, health insurance and stuff, too. So, So, whatever. It's not a great system, but I guess it's what you have at the moment. New season rocks. I'm glad we watched it. Mm-hmm. I'll probably watch it again soon. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out the new season, go ahead and do it. It's worth the uh, subscription price of the Gizmoplex. And uh, have fun watching all these new episodes. See you guys. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>